What's up, NBA fans? This is the Second Stringers NBA podcast, and we're about less than three weeks away from the start of the NBA season. And we continue our division previews with the Pacific Division that includes the Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Suns, and borderline irrelevant Sacramento Kings. We'll also talk preseason, and of course, we'll touch a little bit on Jimmy Butler, but what do you think about my comments on the Kings, Sean? Um, they're very warranted. <laughs> <laughs> I, you could throw the Suns in there, too, if you like. I, I mean, you don't have to only have the Kings in there. They can hang out in an irrelevant group together. <laughs> That's true. But before we start uh, previewing some of these teams, here's a trivia question for you, Sean. And the answer to this question for a big hand is going to deal with these teams. But who's the highest paid player over 35 years old in this coming season? Wow, that, that's a good question. Man, I didn't even, I've not even thought about this at all before. I mean, I'm going to have to go. It's got to be some guy that got some stupid contract in 2016 is what I'm thinking when the, all that cap space exploded. That's true. So you got two things. Ooh. You got that right. And it's obviously going to be somebody from the Pacific Division because that's how I came up with this question during my research for this. Oh, wow. That's actually a really good hint. Yeah, so that should narrow Ooh. it down for you right there. 35. LeBron's not 35 yet, nope. so that's... All right. Um, ooh, I know. I know it. Zach Randolph. Ooh, close. Oh, close. no. Not Zach Randolph. It's actually Tyson Chandler, <laughs> who back in 2015-2016 uh, signed for four years, $52 million with the Phoenix Suns and is due to be paid $13.5 million wow. this coming year. That's insane. I totally forgot Tyson Chandler was still a player. I thought he had retired. <laughs> yeah, this, this dude warranted a lot of money back then somehow. I um, mean, that, that plays a lot into the woes that the Phoenix Suns have experiencing the last couple of years. But we'll touch on that. But first, the preseason is here. It's arrived. The first couple of games have happened. Any initial first reactions, Sean, to what you saw during the preseason? Yeah, there was a few that caught my eye. Uh, <laughs> we can bring up the Kings again here really briefly. This is I thought this was the funniest thing of the entire preseason so far. They ran a lineup. This, this is so ridiculous. They had Frank Mason at point guard, and then they ran basically their four centers at the other four <laughs> positions between Skull, Lavasier, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley, and Will Cauley-Stein. And I guess they were just testing it out <laughs> just to see how it would work with a point guard and four centers. It turns some, out it did not work very well. Yeah, for I would think so. For some reason, I feel like this was not a decision made by any of the basketball coaches. <laughs> I think this had to have come from ownership. Well, I don't think there's any good basketball mind that would have thought this would run why well would they enough. even let the ownership have that say? Cause just come up with such a ridiculous idea. I mean, it's a preseason, so none of it really matters. So you might as well give it a shot. But I've just never seen anything like this before. It it's amazing, but also terrible. Never ever yeah, do it. <laughs> I mean, if you had Ben Simmons, Kevin Garnett, uh, Joel Embiid, I mean, who some. Ex- Extremely athletic seven footers. I guess G- that you can, can put also Giannis into that if you. Yeah, Giannis. But like he's not like these guys are like legit big guys. Like they cannot play <laughs> other positions like Ben Simmons can. They're just yep. straight big guys. Like uh, yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> well, there's that for you. I think so far for me for preseason that first shot came just seeing LeBron James in the purple and gold. Mm. Yeah. That, 
That was surreal. It felt like I was watching somebody play NBA 2K, honestly. <laughs> they made it some ridiculous didn't... trade of some sort and somehow got LeBron on the team. Exactly. When you basically like just uh, handicap the GM mode and you do whatever you want in it. <laughs> um, that's exactly what it felt like. It it seemed unreal at first. And then I got really excited about it. And And then, you know, then I realized, oh... This team is just like any other team that's had a bunch of pieces just bundled together. It's mm-hmm. going to take a while to to learn how to mesh those pieces together. And, of course, it obviously resulted in two losses against the Denver Nuggets up to this point. Yeah, I mean, something glaring that I saw from one of the games was Mason Plumley just ripping <laughs> the Lakers apart. Mason Plumley of all people, 11 of 11 for shooting and 23 points coming off the bench in that preseason game. Is this telling it all, or is it nothing that the Lakers have problems stopping big men because they're so shallow they're losing Brooke Lopez? I don't think this is an anomaly or an outlier here. Well, I mean, somebody going 11 for 11, 23 points, that's kind of crazy, yeah. But I do, this is yeah. going to be a trend. I mean, the Lakers were one of the worst defensive teams last year. Uh, they lose Brooke Lopez, and they replace them with well, then this is going into the Laker preview, and this is a big point I'll make later on. But yeah, I mean, yeah. we can get to it later, sure. Quick point but here is yeah. you replace Brooke Lopez with JaVel McGee, a guy who only played like 10 minutes a game last year. <laughs> yeah, they. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do there. Something else that I thought was fun to watch was Carmelo in a Rockets jersey actually right. shooting pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's the preseason. It's weird that the preseason would be so different than a regular season game. Maybe the extra pressure really does matter that much for these guys, but I mean, he looks like he's shooting as good as he ever has. Mm-hmm. Uh, even He took a long two during a game and apologized to Mike D'Antoni um, as he was going down the sideline after he made the shot, which <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. Just speaks a lot to D'Antoni's system. And like, that's just how it is. You gotta shoot at three or you don't shoot at all. Yeah, I mean, this team is literally the phrase live and die by the three. But I mean, for you, does that tell you anything about Carmelo? Is he a changed man or is this just absolutely nothing? I... I think just how everything's transpired with him does give me a little flicker of hope because he does seem to have accepted that he might have a bench role at the start or at some point this season. And it's apologizing to a coach for ma- after making a basket, like that, that takes a lot to swallow your pride like that. And I, I think he's really buying into the system. I think he's tired of just not having a championship under his belt to cement his NBA career. Right. Uh, that's true. That's a good point. I mean, Carmel Anthony's definitely been known for having being the type of guy with a huge ego. I mean, you go back to the days in New York and the way uh, Denver, his days in Denver kind of came to an end and the whole Jeremy Lin situation that occurred. So, yeah, Carmel Anthony's definitely a guy that wasn't short of an ego. But um, aside from that preseason action, a lot of stuff doesn't mean anything. But there are some small things slightly that can probably foreshadow a little bit of positivity heading into the season. And that first one, I think for me is Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz Mm. came out there and shot with confidence. And I mean, he didn't come out of there shooting like Mason Plumlee 11 for 11, (laughs) but he walked away five for 12, five for 12, got the starting spot there for preseason. Um, And he made a, he made a wide open three and he looks more confident than ever. And he looked like he was in the flow and looked a little bit like he actually belongs in the NBA, which is great for this guy. I mean, according to his trainer, he shot 160,000 jumpers between June and September. 
But uh, what do you think, Sean? Is this a good telling sign that Markel Fultz is going to be a solid contributor to the 76er team? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you look at the Sixers team and they have basically the same team they had last year, give or take a few minor pieces. And then Markel Fultz was a guy that hasn't really proven anything yet, but a number one overall pick. And so that in itself is a determining factor for how good the 76ers team can be if they can compete with the Raptors, compete with the Celtics. And if he really has improved his shot and he's going to be healthy going into the season and that shoulder's not going to give him any recurring problems, then I don't see any reason why this isn't big news uh, as a 76ers yeah. fan. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's huge. It's a it's a bright spot here. Um, and something else is Kawhi Leonard. He yeah. he dressed up. He Big wore time. the jersey and he played a game of basketball. <laughs> this is huge. I mean, seventeen points in eighteen minutes. Uh, I he definitely rose his NBA fantasy stock. I mean, uh-huh. I, didn't know, I didn't think he was going to go top ten um, in the fantasy leagues. But do you think this is a good sign? Can we base off this little tiny sample size? conclude that he will play in the 2019 NBA season. Yeah, there's no reason not to at this point. He just seems like Kawhi. You know, there's no talk about injury or anything. So, I mean, it might, in a real basketball game, in a real regular season game, it might take him a little bit of time to adjust to the change in intensity, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I'll pick him in a first round of a fantasy draft. The one we have coming up next week. Uh, That's pretty exciting. Um, what is more interesting, I think, is seeing Gordon Hayward back in action too. Right. That that's an interesting one because he looked a little rusty out of the gate. Uh, five of twenty shooting so far in the preseason over the course of the first few games, he did look like he was just a step behind. When I was watching a little bit of the Cavs Celtics preseason game, yeah. it's gonna take. I think it's gonna take a little bit for him to shake the rust off. Uh, what do you think about Gordon Hayward going into the season? I mean, I mean, I think the good news for Gordon Hayward is that the, they have the ability to give Gordon Hayward all the time he needs to get mm, back in true. his in his mode just because of how deep that roster is over there. I'm sure Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Terry Rozier wouldn't mind the minutes, and even Marcus Smart yeah. wouldn't mind some minutes <laughs> until Gordon Hayward gets back in action. But Kawhi Leonard, on the other hand, the Toronto Raptors need him to at least be top 10 as soon as possible to be able to uh, build some momentum for their squad. Yeah, that's but, true. But but I mean, it's good. It's good to see Gordon Hayward in in action. Um, I'm excited. There, I. It seems like there will be end up being a battle in the East um, for those two for those two top spots. Yeah, it's so hard for me to tell. I feel like if the Celtics get to that full strength, they're just gonna be unstoppable. But yeah, it, it's so hard to see. like. I guess I kind of forgot how good Kawhi is. So he's gonna have yeah. to show me again how good he really is. Yeah, I mean, the question is still up in the air. I mean, this is good news and all, but this is definitely far from showing that he's a top five player again mm-hmm. or a guy that's top that's top three in the MVP conversation. I mean, all this really shows is that he can play basketball. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to be quickly to say he's top 10 again or something like that. So there's still a lot more season to be played until he shows that he's back to where he once was. But it's a telling sign to see that he's actually going to suit up for the Raptors. Yeah, and a few a few uh, other things here that happened in the preseason I thought were worth noting. DeAndre Ayton, we get our first look at him. 24 mm-hmm. points, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks in his preseason opener, going head-to-head against Marvin Bagley and just destroying him. 
So that, yeah. that was pretty promising. Uh, he's looking good. And then just one last thing, Malik Monk forgot he wasn't wearing a jersey when he went to check into the game. So he had to oh, go back man. to the locker room and get, get fitted on. But <laughs> <laughs> this guy's still suffering from rookie mistakes. Oh, man, he's got to come on, boy. You're not in Vegas no more. You're not in training camp. You're not in the Bahamas. This is the NBA now. This guy, we, we thought he was going to be a sleeper pick last year for rookie of the year even. And uh, maybe maybe he will be if he remembers to wear his jersey next game. Yeah, he's got to give himself at least give himself that chance. <laughs> but uh, what about Jimmy Butler? Still, mm. he's still in Minnesota. Um, apparently, uh, Woj tw- tweeted out earlier today that uh, Tom Thibodeau is still pretty adamant of trying to make t- uh, Jimmy Butler stay with the Timberwolves. But after that, he contradicted himself a little bit by s- tweeting that the Miami Heat are the front runners for making this trade and are really persistent in trying to make this trade happen with the Timberwolves. Yeah, so uh, we had the a little bit of rumor mill come out during the week. The 76ers claim that the, or the Timberwolves asked for Ben Simmons in return for Jimmy Butler, which is just insane. Yeah, they easily uh, struck that down very quickly. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, they asked the Bucks for Chris Middleton, which is an interesting trade and seems pretty fair. But they also weren't interested in making that happen. The Bucks weren't interested in that. I'm not sure if there's anything else involved with that. I I like that scenario, but I think the biggest drawback there is Chris Middleton isn't going to ask for five years, hundred million plus to re-sign with you. That's true. Um, after next year, um, I mean the Bucks have the have the uh, can keep have Middleton for a couple more years and don't owe won't owe him a super max away Jimmy Butler or a max contract at least, which is what Jimmy Butler is looking for. So if I'm the Bucks, and also I mean there's the question marks of whether Jimmy Butler fits in with what you're trying to build there. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler's the better the better player, but I mean, if you're thinking dollars, I think Chris Middleton gives you the be- the better value here. Yeah, no, I I see your point, but yeah, it's just hard to see say what type of position the Bucks are in right now. Like, do mm-hmm. they want to just go for the win now? And it seems like that they're trying to build a franchise that is competitive for a lot longer than that. With by saying that they don't want Jimmy Butler for Chris Middleton straight up, which I think is a move like some people would take. But mm-hmm. it, it's just it's interesting to me that Miami is the front runner, and we haven't really seen what the offer is on the table that's being discussed so much. I'm really curious to see what's involved with that. But it doesn't seem like we're going to get any answers by the end of today. Maybe not even by the end of this week. And then next week we're looking at the regular season starting really soon. Are they going to make a move now? And like Thibodeau, man, like I just, I don't understand why he's being so stubborn about this. Like it was reported that Jimmy Butler was practicing at the Wolves facility whenever the, t- when the team traveled for their preseason game. So he just literally <laughs> does not want anything to do with them. I just don't see how you can yeah. salvage the relationship at this point, especially when the regular season's only a few weeks away. You're not going to be able to solve anything before then to keep him on the team you just gotta you gotta let go sometimes. You gotta let go. Yeah, I think Tom Thibodeau is probably just hanging on to for basketball reasons. I mean, sure, if you get Chris Middleton, that's pretty good value there. If you get Ben Simmons, wow, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I think he knows he's not gonna get that equal value for Jimmy Butler. So he wants to keep the better player. I mean, I don't I, I don't blame him for that. But I think there's obviously more reasons to him leaving than just the basketball reasons, and he wants to go personally. Um, 
So I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to be able to salvage that. And I think if he if he doesn't, I feel accept that it's very possible that maybe Glenn Taylor, the Minnesota Timberwolves owner, goes up over him and just forces a deal through and doesn't gets terrible basketball value back in in that deal. Yeah, well, he has to. I mean, you think about it. Jimmy Butler is good if he wants to play for you, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't want to play for you and he says he's not going to play for you, then what is he worth to the franchise anymore? Exactly. He's basically worth nothing. So you have to get something back in return. And if you are if you don't have the whole front office on board, it's going to be hard to make that deal happen. So if he just gives into it, they can actually get a deal where they at least get some good piece back that can actually help them now mm-hmm. and maybe get some future assets along with it. Yeah. And just make something happen because this team with just... Wiggins and just Towns is not going to do anything like you don't have Butler. I would, I would just erase it from my mind. Like he's not even there. Like you can get something for him, but he's not going to play for you. Right. And with him not playing, yeah, it makes the team weaker. Like you said, cause they, this team has holes to fill without Jimmy Butler. They need somebody at that small forward spot. Um, they, I mean, Todd right. Gibson is good too, <laughs> but if you can get an upgrade in that trade with Jimmy Butler, then I'd take it. Um, but also, it kind of reminds me a lot of that Paul George trade scenario where the talk was with the Lakers and out of nowhere, OKC was the one who ended up making the, making the trade. Um, so I think if this could play out the same way, we keep hearing about Miami, but all out of nowhere, we might, he might end up going to Atlanta or or some random team like, or Portland maybe pulls off, ultimately pulls the trigger. Yeah. The Portland was one of the teams that said they were interested in him for whatever that's worth. So, I wouldn't give up CJ McCollum if I'm the Blazers, though. I just feel no. like that's too even of a trade. You're not really gaining anything for that. I don't know who else they'd take. Like, as far as talent goes, it drops off significantly after those two guys, Lillard and McCollum. Maybe the Raptors right. are going to get him somehow. Maybe they will trade Lowry for him. Maybe that's that's what's going to happen. I don't know. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. Raptors going all in. Um, all in. I've heard I've heard some whispers that Kyle Lowry isn't exactly happy that Demar Derozan got traded. So I'm, yeah. There's something there. I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's not. I would still. I mean, I I don't blame him, but I mean, basketball wise, the team's a lot better with Kawhi Leonard on that. It is, but you know, sometimes you just miss your buddy. You know, it's like if Tobias Harris gets traded for Jimmy Butler, like Boban is not going to be very happy about that. I'm sure he'd be happy once he starts racking up some <laughs> on his team. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, they can be like, oh, hey, what's up, Toby? I'm over here just yeah. getting these wins. Yeah. You know who's trying to seal a win for themselves? It's Patrick McCall. This man. Playing hardball with the Warriors. <laughs> this guy has Declining some serious... deals left and right. This guy has some serious audacity right now. <laughs> so he declines a one-year $1.7 million deal and a two-year $5.2 million deal. Granted, there was a team option for that second year. So he's really playing, betting on himself, you know? He, he wants a bigger contract or a greater role on another team because, I mean, look, the guy has a championship. He's such a young guy, sure. like, he's got to play for the rest of his career now. So I understand where he's coming from, but, man, to, not, <laughs> to, to turn down playing with the likes of Curry and Durant and learning from these guys for another year, oh, man, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, I don't really think he's ready. No. <laughs> I mean, I just think he just kind of got lucky to be in a situation with the Warriors 
Um, and basically, I mean, to realistically, the Warriors just couldn't afford all that debt by that when they got Patrick McCall. So, I mean, he's just one of those guys they could, and they needed him in certain situations because of injuries. Um, and he 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 was successful in those little bit spurts of minutes that the Warriors gave him. But it's hard not to be successful when you're playing with that many amazing players <laughs> and a, an amazing coach like Steve Kerr. So. Yeah, a little bit surprised here by Matt Patrick McCall. I mean, I don't sure he's betting on himself, but I don't know if he's he'll get the right end of that. Bet yeah, he leaves the Warriors. His ego's a little inflated from being on a championship team and feeling like he's worth more than he is. Yeah, but no worries. I mean, even if Patrick McCall isn't there next year, let's get it, let's slide right into our division pe- previews for the Pacific Division, starting with the Warriors, the defending champs. I mean, Patrick McCall or no Patrick McCall. Uh, this team is still loaded. <laughs> Obviously, the big addition, DeMarcus Cousin, uh, Joannis Gerberko, um, and Damian. Is it Damian Lee yeah, that they have yeah, here? Yeah, some. I don't really know much about this guy. He's on. He's on the depth chart list, so I put him in there. But I doubt he'll get many significant minutes. I mean, maybe if McCaw doesn't come back. I mean, there's still a chance McCaw comes back, but he might get some playing time here and there if if McCaw's to believe off the bench. Yeah. And then drafted Jacob Evans with the 28 pick, a 6'6 guard out of Cincinnati. Played for three years. Um, finalist for the Julius Irving Small Forward of the Year Award. Wow. I didn't even know that award existed. <laughs> I feel, yeah, there's, there's probably an award for like every position if I was to look into it. I didn't know it existed either. But yeah, I mean, at 28, that seems like solid value. You get a guy that can guard multiple positions, good size for a guard. Uh, I mean, they're going to need somebody because this team is pretty shallow as far as their whole lineup goes. I mean, (laughs) the starting lineup is ridiculous, but they probably have the worst bench in the entire league. If I was maybe not the worst, but like very close to the worst. Yeah, I mean, Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala are just one year older and they lose David West, who was a key contributor coming off that bench. Mm -hmm. Um, JaVale McGee. Zaza Pachulia, but you know how we feel about him. Yeah. I guess you. they also lose Nick Young. I kind of forgot a little about him. He still <laughs> yeah. doesn't have an NBA yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, he probably won't have one at this at this point. I mean, who's going to pick him up? I don't really know if anyone has any roster space left. Mm-hmm. But And then this, this might be a sneaky departure here that could end up making the Warriors lose their championship run. It's Chelsea Lane, the head of physical performance and sports medicine for this team, has left Mm. to take an executive director position for the same department for the Atlanta Hawks. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, remember all those injuries the Warriors had at the end of last year. Steph Curry with his ankles. Draymond Green was out for a little bit. Even KD was out for a little bit. And Klay Thompson Mm -hmm. had a few weeks out as well, all with different injuries. This lady had her work cut out for her, man. Like, this this is a squad that needs to stay healthy. Yeah, it does, especially as the core starts getting into their later years. But I wonder, like, if how much Chelsea was involved in I mean, basically turning around Steph Curry's career. I mean, this, mm-hmm. this is a guy who was not very durable at the first for the first half of his career, and um, then all of a sudden made a huge jump that second half and became the Steph Curry we know of today. Right. Yeah. So it's it's pretty big time, man. If th- if she was a huge part in all of this, I'm not sure exactly how much power she had over everything. I mean, she was the head of all of the sports medicine and treatments that they had there. 
we'll see. I'm not really sure who takes her place. Hopefully, it's someone yeah. qualified for the for the sake of these guys trying to get that third title in a row. Right, and when you think about the Warriors and you think about the people they've played in the finals in the Western Conference the last four years, they've been pretty durable compared to everybody else. I mean, the Rockets lost Chris Paul. OKC lost Durant or Russell Westbrook a couple of times in those playoff mm-hmm. runs. Um, obviously, the Cavs that first run did not have Kyrie and Kevin Love, but the Warriors have have really stayed intact into those later rounds in the playoffs. Yeah, and just that injury to Andre Iguodala, which almost cost them that series against True. the Rockets if Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt. Maybe we're talking a different story, but yeah, overall, I mean, keeping your core four right there between Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Kevin Durant healthy, that's really just the bread and butter. You can't lose if all four of those guys are in there. That's just kind of the name of the game here. Uh, I throw Jordan Bell in there while DeMarcus Cousins is hurt, and that's your regular season starting lineup. Um, until Cousins is able to recover from that injury. Um, it's still looking really strong, <laughs> is all I got to say. I don't really care who's yeah. in that fifth spot when these four are on the floor. The main problem I see for this team is we saw at times during the regular season, they go through some slumps where you don't expect them to lose any string of games during the regular season because of their talent, but they would because it seemed like they lost a lot of focus here and there. Just kind of waiting for the playoffs to happen almost. Yeah, you could see that frustration or maybe annoyance just kind of boil over on the floor. I mean, Kevin Durant got ejected more than a couple times last year. Uh, Draymond Green as well. All the tees went up Mm -hmm. against Curry. So... I mean, I guess it's a luxury to be able to have that that ability to just get annoyed with the regular season and just kind of want to rush through to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this team is so loaded and they still continue to be. And everybody's, I mean, I think Kevin Durant's the only one over. Oh, Durant and Curry are, are just turned 30. So really the only thing that could bring this team down is their motivation and their health. So it's really inner destruction is their biggest their biggest enemy. Yeah. So you can speak to this as a Laker fan. When your team wins two, three championships in a row, and this team's won three of four of the last, three of the right. last four. Do you lose that motivation at all going into this third, this fourth year of trying to win a championship again? Does that ever get tired? Do you feel like there's any chance that this team is like, I don't really care if we win again because we've already won it so much. I mean, I think that just speaks to personalities really more than anything. I mean, I think back in the Laker Laker days, I mean, speaking as a fan, uh, definitely Kobe Bryant drove that ambition to continue winning. But mm-hmm. if you look at Shaq, I mean, Shaq, I mean, that's <laughs> why they butted heads. I mean, Shaq would come in out of shape and all of a sudden turn it up in the second half and have his best year. But yeah, I mean, I think for those for that Laker dynasty, it was definitely internal conflict and the lack and the loss of it of motivation to win that broke up that dynasty uh, between Kobe and Shaq. So I think it's a really real thing. Um, do I see that in the, in this group of guys? Possibly, Possibly. but at the same time, at the way they speak, I mean, uh, they've been pretty adamant that their biggest motivation this year is helping DeMarcus Cousins and some of these other young guys uh, get to the finals. I mean, they, they, they really play for one another and, I don't think I've ever really seen anybody else speak that way. So 
I mean, I think at times we probably will see that, but at the end of the day, I think come playoff time, once DeMarcus Cousins suits up, he'll probably be their biggest driver, honestly. Yeah, that's true. And it, I mean, it seems like he's doing well coming back on his rehab from that Achilles injury. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to say when he's actually going to come back and actually going to be in basketball shape. There's really right. no timetable on it right now because they've said they've said multiple times that they're not going to rush him back at all because obviously they have no right. need to do that. They're going to make the playoffs unless all four guys get catastrophic injuries. There's just no way that they don't make the playoffs and I doubt they even care what seed they get or if they even have home right. court advantage in the first round. So yeah. yeah, there's just there's just so much up in the air for DeMarcus Cousins. But if he does get back, then he'll, yeah, he'll definitely be on fire to win a championship. And it, yeah, these other four guys are going to have to follow suit. Yeah, what is interesting, though, is I think heading into this season, this might be the weakest uh, Warrior team, which is, I mean, it it sounds like it's it's a lot, but it's really not. But yes, it's the most weakest Warrior team, I think, uh, to start to start a year in the last two years, or at least since they got Durant, mm-hmm. uh, just because they're so they're so weak up up front at that center position. Um, I mean, a lot of teams have the potential to bully them around, and maybe they lose they lose a string of games to start the year. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't end up with the number one seed. So I guess you could say they're trending down, but not really. Yeah. I guess you. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. So they won. 58 games last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they only walk away with 55 this year. So maybe trending slightly down, but really that'll be mainly in the first half of the year. But second half, I I think they'll be the Warriors that we know them to be. And if DeMarcus Cousins is back and healthy, they might be better than ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that starting five's got to be up there with one of the best starting fives ever to exist. But right. yeah, you're right. This does look like the weakest Warriors team we've seen during this dynasty just because like... You have like Kevin Looney and and like a 85-year-old Andre Iguodala and a Sean Livingston. Like Sean Livingston is like, he's good still. Like he's not super yeah. old, but that's it. Like you don't have anything else. So you better, yeah, you just have to hope for good health. And that that's going to yeah, be the fact. You're factor. relying a lot on Jordan Bell as well there. Yeah, and that's not something I really want to do at this point. I mean, we've seen some flashes of talent, but he really is only good because the other four guys Right. So, yeah, to ask him to play 30 minutes a game, um, I don't know. We'll see how that works out. But I can't say that it's going to work out for the best. Uh, like, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose a string of games there mm-hmm. as a result of that. Yeah. But um, on the other end, somebody who's knocking on the door to try to challenge this Warrior team is the Los Angeles Lakers. And now the Lakers, this is the most exciting, excited I've been to start a season for the uh, for the Lakers since... I don't know. <laughs> Probably the year Kobe since came you back. Got, from yeah, season. right. Or since you got Pau Gasol, <laughs> right? Or Pau Gasol, yeah, back in 2008. But I mean, the year that Kobe came back from his Achilles injury, it was exciting and all. But once the ball went up and the tip came, uh, it was pretty evident that 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 was going to be a throwaway season, and it was only a matter <laughs> of time before Kobe called it quits. But this year seems like it might be the first season to be excited for for basketball reasons since yes yeah, it's the Dwight Howard trade I think um but hopefully the end it doesn't result in a equal to that um but anyways the additions here LeBron James the key mm-hmm. Lance Stevenson JaVel McGee and John Rondo <laughs> what a squad man after that falling in his coattails 
Yeah, so it's it the names are are iffy. I mean, LeBron James obviously stands out, but I'm a little bit worried here with these additions, <laughs> um, namely for these reasons. Lance Stevenson last year shot 28% from three, 66% from free throw. JaVel McGee only averaged 9.5 <laughs> minutes per game. He's a 30-year-old, and now he's been upgraded, who will probably most likely be the starter center on this team. Rajon oh. Rondo, I mean, there's a lot of great intangible things to say about this guy. But, I mean, he is 30-plus now, and he's shooting 33% from three, 54% from the free throw line. Now, why are those numbers so important? (laughs) Well, because the Los Angeles Lakers ranked 30th in free throw percentage last year. (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) They ranked almost last in three-point percentage, 34%. Um, They were close to the bottom in turnover percentages. So, I mean, I guess it helps having more smart ball handlers, but none of these guys are going to layer in and help out with that three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, or just shooting in general <laughs> for this team. Yeah, but we, can't I mean, forget I'll go that, in- we can't forget that LeBron James is also a bad free-throw shooter. That's true. Yeah, he is regarded as one of the greatest of all time, sure. But yeah, he his free-throw shooting percentage is not comparable to the likes of Jordan and some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. It's gotten better, though. But anyways, departures from this team, Julius Randle, Isaiah Thomas, Brooke Lopez, Luol Deng, Channing Frye, and Tyler Ennis. Um, So for me, the biggest guy we're probably, as Laker fans, are going to miss is Julius Randle, another top 10 pick that the Lakers um, let go of, who was once also regarded as an exciting piece to that young core that we had back in the day. But now we've evolved to this other young core, so we'll see how that goes. Um, drafted Moritz Wagner Wagner at number 25. Uh, Steve, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce this man's full Aww, name. You won't do that for me, man? <laughs> I don't think so. This is this is a gnarly name. But Svi is actually looking pretty good. During the summer league, he knocked down some some good threes. He he scored the ball and helped get the Lakers into to, into that summer league final against uh, that Portland Trailblazer team that was composed. Cheating team. <laughs> That cheating team that was specifically composed to win that summer league <laughs> championship, but hey, man, Svi really battled out there. Um, they also had an 18-year-old Isaac Bonga with the number 39 pick. Um, hasn't signed with the Lakers yet, but he might earn his spot. Maybe we'll see. But anyways, the big story is of course LeBron James at 34 joins the Los Angeles Laker, a guy who last year led the Caps in almost every <laughs> single statistical category um, with averages of 27 points. 8.6 rebounds, 9 assists, shooting 36% from three, his highest three-point shooting percentage of his career, um, and 54% from two. Nice. So really impressive numbers for a 34-year-old. But the question, or for a 33-year-old, he's 34 yeah. now. So the question is, can he do this for this Laker team? And um, given historical data, it seems like not very likely, but though none of these got nobody has really put the numbers that he did at the age of 33. So I did some research to find out what could potentially be the ceiling for LeBron James, given what other people at 34 have put up. So here are three 34 year olds who are the only players who have averaged more than 30 minutes per game, 20 points per game, five assists or five rebounds. One of them is Larry Bird, 20 points, six assists, nine rebounds. Second, Kobe Bryant, 27 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. And then Elgin Baylor at 24 points, 5 assists, and 10 rebounds. So great names. 
Yeah, so if LeBron James were to do the exact same thing he did last year, this year, he would be the greatest <laughs> 34-year-old who has ever played for the NBA, like, by far. That would be incredible. And do you see a big drop-off coming for him? I don't see a huge drop-off coming for him because the way this team is constructed right now, you have some really good young pieces, but none of them are stars yet. So he's going to have to kind of play the same role that he did for the Cavs last year in a way, just maybe with a little better supporting cast, but he still has to be the guy to prop them up. Right. And that's the scary thing here, Sean, <laughs> uh, especially for a Laker fan, is that Larry Bird at 34-year-olds, this was this is where he broke. This is where he broke. He, ne- he didn't have anything else after this year. Kobe Bryant at 34 when he put up these numbers – this is the year he tore his Achilles. Mm. Uh, Elgin Baylor. I don't really know if anything happened to Elgin Baylor there. I mean, that was pretty far back there. But, I mean, all that means is, like, this was basically the last stand for a lot of these players. And LeBron looks like he can put those numbers up again. But the chances of him breaking down, uh, given this these historical numbers... Seems very likely. It seems likely, but this is LeBron James. And this is it's true. This is the new NBA. I mean, you're talking about guys like Larry Bird and Elgin Baylor. They just didn't have the same training regimens, the same nutrition information that we have now that LeBron has full mm-hmm. access to, that he's investing in his body a million dollars a year or something like that. Uh, I think it's unfair to put him in that same category, even though it makes sense to, just because... Yeah. I mean, the Lakers can't really afford for him to break down at all yet. <laughs> they just signed this 34-year-old man to a four-year deal. He's He can't exactly. break down yet. Maybe when he's 37, he we can allow him to break down a little bit. But as far as right now, we need him to get, I say, 25, 8, and 8 if you're going to break down. Like, just like the smallest drop-off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That that's a good point. I mean, he is LeBron and Anomaly if we've ever seen one in sports. But yeah, he we're going to need anything he can give us as close as he can get to those numbers he he got with the Cavaliers. Um, so he's another layer added to the young core of Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram averaged 16 points, 5 rebounds. Kyle Kuzma, oh. 16 points, 5 rebounds. Same. Pretty identical. Yeah. <laughs> Lonzo Ball, I mean, despite his shooting woes, he actually put up some pretty good averages, 10 points, 7 rebounds. And seven assists. I see so, that you conveniently lo- left out his shooting percentage. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to single him out, though it was terrible. Uh, I mean, that problem exists through the whole through the whole squad. Um, so he's another layer to these guys. But basically, I think this season is a huge telling mark, and a lot of pressure is on Magic Johnson. He got the signing he wanted. Um, he's got the core. He made the trades. I mean, he basically this front office let has to let go willingly let go of the number seven pick and the number two pick uh, all picks that were used to justify the losing seasons prior to this. So, I mean, and they use basically by doing this, they got LeBron and they got all these pieces. So is it, was it, is it going to be worth it? And I mean, this season's going to show whether or not it's, it, it, it was. And so there's pressure there on magic Johnson's shoulders and Rob Palenka's, but that starting lineup looking to start the season, I think it's going to be Rondo uh, KCP, Ingram, LeBron, and JaVale Ugh. McGee. <laughs> That's pretty rough, man. Like you were saying before, JaVale McGee averaging nine and a half minutes a game with the Warriors just coming in and throwing down some alley-oops. 
this mm-hmm. is gonna be a lot more of a challenge for him and i'm not sure if he's up for it or not i don't think he's ever had to shoulder this much load as a starting center and he is 30 years old now and he's he's proven mm-hmm. that he's not very like sturdy he's not very sturdy at all so we're yeah. gonna need to see either a big jump from Zubak somehow or Moritz right. Wagner is gonna have to come in and play beyond his rookie years or else this team's gonna have to roll small ball kind of like the Warriors are gonna have to while DeMarcus Cousins is out yeah I just that's so much that's so much asking of your players yeah they're gonna wear down just playing that quick small ball night in and night out but I mean, that's one of their goals. That's one thing they want to do. That's the, They want to identify as being that quick uh, pace team. But, I mean, through all that, I mean, you cannot say this team is is um, not getting better. I <laughs> no. mean, it's trending up. Yeah. So you're giving them 45 wins, huh? I'm giving them 45 wins. I think that's a, that's a, fair, that's a fair number. Uh, basically, they're right. They're going to be right at that borderline to sneak into the playoffs, uh, depending on how everybody else performs. Forty-five. Just, I know. Th- I think that's what the Cavs got last year with the with LeBron. Right? It was forty-five wins in that Eastern Conference to get the fourth seed. They got fifty wins. Did they get? No, they really. Oh yeah, they got fifty wins last Dang, year. Dang, really? They looked like they were about yeah. to implode. <laughs> they did. They did. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> man, if. If that team can get 50 wins, then why can't this Laker team get 50 wins is what I have to ask. I mean, that – I mean, I think the, the the easy answer there is just competition, night in and night out competition. Um, I mean, the Cavaliers just were not in that strong of a division or conference, and this Western Conference is insane this year. Yeah. I think every team they, they see is just going to be a big challenge, and – I mean, they're basically fighting against themselves as well, trying to integrate all their pieces. Um, and I, I just, I just sense a big rough patch coming for this team. Um, a couple rough patches. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're, you're keeping your Laker pessimism alive. I mean, I just, I, I mean, it's super easy to get su- excited with this team and Laker Nation. I mean, we love to just hype our seasons up and be more, more optimistic than we should be. And I'm trying to stay grounded here, not set myself up for disappointment. <laughs> and <laughs> you're such a scarred maybe not Laker fan, man. <laughs> but I just want to stay balanced. And I think 45 wins is a is a fair mark uh, heading into this into this yeah, year. That's fair. And I mean, the X factor for this team, if they want to outperform anything. I mean, it could be, I could say Brandon Ingram here breaking into uh, the conversation of top 10 small forward in this league, or maybe even top five small Whoa, forward in this top league. top five? If he, I don't know about top five, Ooh. but I think top 10 <laughs> might be more realistic. I mean, if he can get, if he can get himself up, up to averaging 20 points a game with, with efficient shooting, I think we, that might be a, a real conversation to have. And I think he can do it, but I think he's just missing a little bit there. But really, more than anything, I think the X factor is just this team just needs to get better. Everybody um, <laughs> outside of LeBron and some of these veteran players. But like I said, ranked towards the bottom in three-point shooting percentage, ranked towards the bottom in turnover percentage, ranked almost last in free throw percentage. I mean, Joel Embiid <laughs> shot better than this entire Lakers team <laughs> at the free throw line. Yeah, and that's not even that good. Of, like, he shoots 76%, which is not even like amazing by any stretch it's pretty average honestly right um i just think it's crazy how bad this laker team was at shooting free throws i mean when shaq was on the team i guess that's understandable 
um, Kwame Brown, uh, some of these guys. <laughs> Kwame <big> Brown. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you look at the team and you're like, they're, they're all good pieces. But the, yeah, that free throw thing will be a problem at the when you uh, talk about the final stretch of games. Exactly. Yeah, you're going into the fourth quarter. The game's close. You're starting lineup with Rajon Rondo at 54%. Lance Stevenson might even be playing at stretches because of his veteran presence at 66. I mean, we're not even talking about JaVale McGee. I mean, yeah, like LeBron can shoot him, but at an average rate at best. So, yeah, you just really don't have any guys. Like, if you're trying to close out a game and they're intentionally fouling you, like, you have a chance to let people back in, which is kind of a scary thought. Yeah, I mean, and if the team wants to intentionally foul, they got choices. Yeah, they have options. It doesn't matter who they pass. Yeah, you don't have to double team anybody. You can just do, go man on man and just wait to whoever they pass the ball to. <laughs> just yeah, you can. Oh, can and catch Lonzo. That's okay. <laughs> Personally, foul John Rondo or Brandon Ingram. Right. Yeah, take your pick. Doesn't matter. But I can yeah. definitely see Brandon Ingram breaking into that top ten small forward conversation. He mm-hmm. did make very good improvements last year that I didn't know if he was ready to make. And he just looked like a guy that was ready to make plays in this league. He showed a lot of confidence. He showed a lot of good improvements with his shooting. Does have to work on it still a little more along with his free throws. Can probably afford to bulk up a little more. I think he could take some lessons from Lonzo on how to get a buffer. Right. But yeah, those are really only his limiting factors that talents through the roof. And this guy, he, I think he's the number two pick of all the number two picks they've had in recent years to actually be able to reach that next level and finally get the Lakers back into the all-star game. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can get some representation. I mean, LeBron's probably going to be there for sure. But Yeah. Right. Yeah. Besides LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Um, but storylines to follow, I guess, take your pick. I mean, lots of storylines, man. I mean, the Cavaliers <laughs> were at the center of national talk for the NBA last year now he's in LA I don't think there's going to be any shortage of storylines anywhere from what LeBron had for breakfast (laughs) or how he happened to look at Lonzo at the end of the game or from in-game arguments I mean take your pick there's going to be a lot but I guess the big ones that are going to stand out is can LeBron mesh with this team and be successful and is Luke Walton the right guy to handle all these personalities because at the end of the day, I mean, this team has depth, a lot of guys at the same level, but it can seem like a good thing, but at the same time, it might be um, your worst enemy <laughs> considering you're dealing with a lot of egos and a lot of personal agendas like Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVel McGee, a lot of these dudes, KCP, a lot of these guys on one-year contracts who want to play and want to get paid next year. Yeah, that is a fact I hadn't even thought about because... You bring in these guys on one-year deals because you want to have cap space for next year. But on the flip side, all these guys are kind of going to be selfishly playing for themselves because they need to make their money next year too and sign exactly. sign big money with a team that probably shouldn't be paying them this much money. A guy like mm-hmm. Rondo does not deserve what I imagine he'll ask like in the $15, $20 million range if he plays well this season, which would just be right. insane. But yeah, this team's going to be nothing but entertainment. Even if they don't play well, they have more than half their games on nationally televised um, schedules. So there's going to be no shortage of us watching Laker games this year, <laughs> even if you don't live in Los Angeles. Exactly. 
Let's move on to another favorite of ours, Los Angeles Clippers. Well, more of a favorite of mine, I should say. Yeah. I mean, but you you like the Clippers, don't you? I'm just like I, they've grown yeah, on me. They've grown on me. That means a lot to me, actually, because <laughs> as a diehard Laker fan, Alan, you should hate the Clippers. That's just the stigma. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, like, it's not really a hate thing because there was nothing to hate about the Clippers. <laughs> they were just never really there. They're just kind of like. Oh, there's this other team in the NBA. Um, but I mean, I actually started to feel a little bit of hate when the Lakers were in their down years. And then all of a sudden, the Clippers were the talk of the conversation and they stole Chris Ball. Hey, that's Lakers. not our fault. That's David Stern's fault. Let's don't put that evil on us. We just took advantage of the situation. <laughs> that's true. But that core is now gone. Um, and I actually like the idea of this un- little underdog team trying to trying to improve. So they've grown on me a little bit. I appreciate that. But yeah, so this team is not going to be that good this year. I'm not going to lie. We're, we're not going <laughs> to turn any heads, but we're not going to tank. We're going to be right in the middle, which is probably the worst place to be, honestly, if you're talking about <laughs> trying to improve. But we do have a lot of expiring contracts, and we are going to try to land free agents in 2019 like Kawhi, like Jimmy Butler, so this is just kind of a turning the page kind of year. We've moved on, like you said, from the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan era. The Lob City era is officially over with DeAndre Jordan leaving in free agency. Uh, it's, it's kind of sad, honestly. I'm really sad about that. But this team isn't bad. We, we have some bright spots. So we'll start off just with the additions. Um, this was a big one. Trading away Austin Rivers to get Marcin Gortat. Probably my favorite move of the offseason because Austin Rivers was just going to be what I, I guess I could say just, just taking us by the ankles and just dragging us through the mud in a little bit, <laughs> in a way, I guess you could say. Just stifling our growth in a way, just because he took up so many minutes and he wasn't that good, but his dad was the coach, so he played him a lot of minutes, and Austin Rivers thought he was so good. And now he's gone, so the Wizards can deal with him, and we'll get a center that can replace DeAndre Jordan, which I think is, he's obviously not as good as DeAndre Jordan, but he's hes yeah. at least better than JaVale McGee. <laughs> I'll say that much. This is true. And we, we pick up true. some other decent pieces. We bring back Luke Mabamute, who's a great defender, great wing player. Mike Scott, who played pretty well off the Wizards reserves last year. Um, as far as guys we drafted, we had two late lottery picks. Shea Gilgis Alexander at number 11, six foot six point guard out of Kentucky. It's some good length there. Averaged 14.4 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 5.1 assists as a freshman there at Kentucky and a very talented squad there. So we have a lot of high hopes for him, I think. Um, if Teodosic doesn't work out past this year, if Beverly doesn't work out past this year, this guy could be our point guard of the future. We're going to hope that he can but into something special for us, along with this guy, Jerome Robinson, at 13, who played three years out of Boston College, averaged 20.7 points per game for them in his third year. Uh, We're hoping that he can develop alongside Shea and maybe create, hopefully, a backcourt that can keep up with the rest of the NBA um, in a few years. Yeah, yeah. More guards to add. So to many guards. guards. That's the story, man. You know it. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. we're going to find minutes for all of these guards. I um, mean, you got, like I said, Tay Doshich and Pat Beverly. Lou Williams is obviously still there. The guy who was a fringe all-star for us last year. Um, we brought yeah. back uh, Bako. I forget his name. I think I just call him Bako. 
He is one of our G League <laughs> players last year who we gave a lot of minutes to. And we still have Avery Bradley there. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know how these guys are all going to get minutes, but hopefully Doc Rivers can figure that out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I already mentioned a few of the departures, DeAndre Jordan, Austin Rivers, and then our other guy, CJ Williams, who played really well for us, who is a guy we signed straight out of the G League last year, a 28-year-old rookie, who kept us afloat when uh, all we saw was injuries and despair in the middle of the season. And then as far as people we kept on, we kept Avery Bradley, gave him a new contract. Montrez Harrell gave him a new contract. Wesley Johnson's still there, but nobody cares. And Taya Dosich, uh, going to get one more shot at, at this guy who was one of the best point guards in Europe before he came over. We're going to see if he can actually stay healthy this year. And The European magician. Yeah, the magician. The, one, the wonder <laughs> kid before Luka Doncic. Yeah. yeah, we'll see if he can give us something worthwhile this year i mean he was pretty much a no-show i was excited to see him play last year and he gave me nothing yeah i guess if there's a team in need of guards there's no better uh team door to knock on than the clippers door here right yeah we need to trade somebody like (laughs) i i I really hope that we can get a deal for jimmy butler going to get rid of some of these guards just get gets like a three for one trade that they probably won't want but it's unlikely to happen at this point Seems like talks to get Jimmy Butler for the Clippers have died down at this point. So this is going to be the lineup we're going to roll with going into the season. And uh, that's just how it's going to be. Um, we're looking at a projected starting lineup, which is it was really hard for me to come up with this because you could really put any number of guys in here. But for as far as the guards go, you got Pat Beverly and Avery Bradley, who will make up a pretty short backcourt for us but they are both really good defenders despite their size so i think that'll still work out pretty well uh, alongside tobias harris danilo gallinari for 10 games of the season and marcin gortat at the center position uh which is a really solid starting lineup there's no holes in it at all in my opinion there's just no real playmakers outside of tobias harris who is yeah. good but he just hasn't shown us that he can get to that next level yet He's going. Yeah, he's not a. Hmm? Yeah, he's not a franchise player. No. Though I do, I I like Tobias Harris, and I would be a well. I'm not gonna bet that he'd break top ten, top twenty, or anything like that. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't sleep on him. Like I think he might have a, a even better season this year. I mean, he made some strides last year, and I think he can still continue to get better this next year. Yeah. So what I mean. Yeah, I know. I know you're a big Tobias Harris fan. I mean, you you had him in fantasy, and you've you've been following him since he was in Detroit, and you've touted how good he can be. But so, what kind of jump do you think this guy can make? I mean, this is a guy who he's been in the league for seven years now, and True. and he averaged what he averaged nineteen point three points a game last year, which was his best of his career. But you usually see guys hit their prime already by their eighth year in the league. So, what like what kind of jump are you looking at here? What, what kind of jump do you think he can make? I mean, his three point shooting still continues to get better in my eyes. And given this Clipper team and the lack of scoring that they have, I wouldn't be too surprised if he touches that twenty point twenty points a game mark. Um, that's just and alongside that's so nothing though, it, like nineteen to twenty. Like, is that is that anything? I mean, it. it it's progression. I mean, sure, like I agree with I don't think he's going to be a franchise player, but if he touches 2021, 20, I I think that's definitely doable for this guy. I mean, 
It's a guy who steadily has been improving his points per game. Uh, and 25, 26, I, I don't think he's hit the ceiling yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he has either, but it's very rare that you see guys at this point in their career hit their primes. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I mean, I'd love to see if, if that happened for him this year. I mean, he's got every opportunity in the world. There's nobody that's going to deny him the ball on this Clipper team. Yeah. So, hey, Tobias, if, it, it's, if it's your time, please show us because this, yeah, if, this team's if, desperate for it. Yeah, if anything, if he does, when, if he has a great season, 20 he continues to hit 40% from three, which is a great number. Um, he's going to be excellent trade bait for, for for this team. I mean, yeah, he has that expiring contract. So I, I thought that he would have been an easy pickup for the Timberwolves to get for Jimmy Butler. I thought that would have already happened by now if that was the case. But I don't know. I think I think he's just going to end up playing for the Clippers this year. I don't think we're – I mean, unless we're doing like really bad at the trade deadline – Maybe we're able to offload him to somebody, but I just don't see it happening. And he seems pretty happy in L.A. hanging out with his best friend, Bobin. Um, if, if, if nothing else, if they're not playing well, they'll at least be having fun off the court and enjoying themselves. And it makes for good team chemistry. I don't think sure. Bobin's ever going to break this starting lineup, but <laughs> I would love to see them both start. But as, yeah. as far as where this team's trending, it's, it's slightly down. They, they won 42 games last year. I was really impressed with that. I mean, all credit to Doc Rivers for doing that. I think they'll win 38 games this year. And I, I think that's pretty fair. I I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if they hit 40. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. But but they're not as good as they were. I mean, losing DeAndre Jordan mm-hmm. means something there. Yeah, um, and he, he was arguably our best player. Exactly. So, I mean, you could argue Tobias was, but I think most people would say DeAndre was. So, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that'll get them, what, like 11th seed, 10th seed? No, 11th seed. Right. I'm going to go 40 wins just because Patrick Beverly wasn't there. Avery Bradley wasn't there. Gallinari was never there. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to – over under Gallinari plays 20 games this season. Who? Gallinari? Yeah. I'm going to go under. I mean, he's getting <laughs> older. I, Not even a quarter of the season. I mean, I feel like – I feel like last year we were talking about, oh, if Denali Gallinari plays, he's going to be big. <laughs> and I remember saying that about him when he was in Denver as well. And I'm just tired of saying that. Yeah, this I'm guy, tired of it. Saying that about this guy. <laughs> yeah, and he's so many years older now. I'm not going to keep saying it. So, no, I'm going under on that. I wouldn't bank on him. Yeah. So, just to wrap up the Clippers storyline to follow, there's not going to be much during the season, but... Next year's offseason will be very interesting. We'll have two max spots open. Uh, just just in time for Jimmy Butler and Kawhi to come into town. Best case right. scenario. That would be awesome. But, um, moving on from there, the Phoenix Suns. Now we're getting into the bottom fill of the division we as go. well as the conference. <laughs> but the Phoenix Suns this year, not much is going to be going for them except for their draft picks and seeing how they develop. But what they did is they came in and they wanted to fill their holes at, with three-point shooting. Um, and as well as bring in some veteran players. And who did? Who are those veteran players? You got Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza, Darrell Arthur, Isaiah Cannon, and Rashawn Holmes, um, and George King. And the, the big additions, though, of course, came from the draft with DeAndre Aiden. Um, the Phoenix Suns finally walking away with the number one pick after going after it for a string number of years. 
Um, and they always walk away with the number two, number two, number four. Finally get number one, and they got their guy, DeAndre Aiden. Alongside, they got uh, Mikhail Bridges, Anthony Melton, Ely Ikobo. Uh, so they got two good picks, but Aiden, obviously, the prize package here. The departures is they had a couple guys leave this team. Uh, Marquise Chris, a fan favorite, and Jared Dudley. Daniel House, Brandon Knight, Alex Lynn, a one-time big project for this franchise. <laughs> big yeah, bust. bust. <laughs> Alfred Payton, another former lottery pick that was traded for a second rounder this last Ooh. year and now walks away for for nothing. Uh, for nothing. Yeah, another bust there. And Alec Peters, Tyler Eulis, and Alan Williams. But the bright spot here is you got Devin Booker. You got him to agree to a contract. So he's he's going to be on your team for, for a good string of years. He's 21. Um, and I think this guy is positioned for a huge breakout this year, mainly because I think he's getting better and he's going to be the focal point of this entire offense I don't think I don't know where they're going to get more points from, and he's going to be handling the ball the entire time. So, to put it in perspective, Devin Booker's ranked 31st on ESPN rankings, and the guys ahead of him are C.J. McCollum, Bradley Beal, Kemba Walker, and Drew Holiday. And this is a guy who averaged 24 points, 38% from three, and 43% from field goal. Um, 43% is not that good. It's not. It's really not. And I think it's probably going to stay the same, but I think he's going to go 27 points this year. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, that's bold, especially because he's not even healthy right now. Didn't he break his hand or something? It's true. He did. But when he comes back, <laughs> I mean, he's going to have a free-for-all. You need your spot. hand to shoot, man. And do whatever his he wants hand's on messed this up. If his hand's messed up, man, how's he going to shoot? How's he going to score 27 points? He's going to use his left hand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like Devin Booker. I just, there's just not enough excitement for me about him. Yeah. Like, when I think about, like, future superstars in this league, and I think of Devin Booker being one, I just, there's something about it. It just doesn't seem right. He's so one-dimensional. He is. Like, yeah. you can compare him to Kobe Bryant as far as scoring goes if you want to, but Kobe's defense was just on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Like, an unreachable level for Devin Booker. He's just a shooter. And that's that's what make gives him so much praise, so much adoration from all these scouts, all these people is like this guy can shoot really well. And yeah, I mean Steph Curry, that's you can make that comparison too. Great three point shooter, really good scorer. But yeah, Devin Booker just he doesn't have that it factor, you know, he's so one dimensional. He is. That's what, like this that's all this he gives to this team is points. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't compare him to Kobe and Curry, but I do think he's comparable to these guys, CJ McCollum and Bradley Beal. Um and I think Devin Booker could probably pass these guys up this year, I think. Um, yeah, but so see, yeah, the problem is though, I mean, not that it's not obvious already. CJ McCollum doesn't own his team. It's Damian Lillard. Right. Bradley Beal doesn't own his team. It's John Wall. Kemba Walker does own his team, but they suck. True. And, and Drew Holiday obviously does not own his team either. So he could pass or pass these guys, but as the best player on this team, they're not going anywhere. True. And that's not the point I, I want to make. At least my point here is Devin Booker is going to kick ass next year. That's all I'm saying. And yeah, you're yeah, okay. right. Yeah. I don't think he's going to take... I think the success that... The individual success Devin Booker is going to have next year in terms of just points, because he's not going to walk over with any awards, um, isn't going to be on the same level as the team success. Yeah, you're right on that. And that note on defense, yeah, Devin Booker doesn't add any layer of great defense to this Phoenix Suns team <laughs> who's ranked 
absolutely in last place in terms of defensive rating. Um, and they also were ranked towards the bottom as well in terms of shooting from three. So they share that. In, so they were in that same range as the Los Angeles Lakers, except even worse. Uh, so that's why they bring in Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson. And it makes sense a little bit. But when you actually look at this roster, you'll notice that the three highest paid players on this team are all over 30. And it's those additions of Ryan Anderson, who's getting paid $20 million this year, Trevor Ariza, $15 million, and then Tyson Chandler at age 36 getting paid $13 million. I mean, Devin Booker's making like 40-something million though, right? Next year. Next, yeah. Oh, next year. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, for this year. Yeah, yeah. He's still he's still on his rookie deal, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but still, I mean, <laughs> Devin Booker's 22 years old though, but you can you you have that much money committed to uh dudes over 30 years old who are not named Chris Paul or LeBron James. That's a bit of a problem here. Um, uh, so Basically, the end of the day, the story revolves around Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, who was also drafted in hopes that he'll continue to hopefully add a piece that will improve this team's overall defense. But the X factor, um, I don't really think there's an X factor here. I mean, I think (laughs) Devin Booker could average 50 points a game and this team will still not crack, get anywhere close to 40 wins or in, in, in that same note, anywhere close to playoff position. So... I think really the X factor is really more of a long-term thing. Is and basically, can the general manager, can leadership on this of this franchise get get the Suns back in in the right direction? And I mean, it all starts with the draft this year because the storyline is this team has just had has a history of bad front office mistakes, <laughs> going all the way back to the Steve Nash days when they let Joe Johnson go. That probably hindered their chances of ever winning a championship with that core. Um, and they've also had a bundle of lottery picks and Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Aiden now at number one. Um, so can any of these guys actually develop? Dragon Bender is not in, the, in trending in the right direction. Josh Jackson, we have yet to be seen. Devin Booker, yes. Aiden, same thing. We'll, we'll see. Um, but in a recent poll... The Phoenix Suns were tied with the Bulls for the most promising young core with 7% of the GMs voting for them. Um, And just to put that in comparison, the Philadelphia 76ers received 47% and the Boston Celtics received 33%. So not many people are betting on the Phoenix Suns uh, to have... I'm surprised anybody is. When you have to vote between the Suns, Philadelphia, and Boston, like who's voting for the Suns? Like, sure, they, like, Booker and Aiden, like, that's awesome. That's not Ben Simmons and Embiid. That's not Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving. Like, that's insane. That I mean, I don't know who's voting for him. I don't know the 7%. That's, like, what, two of the GMs, I guess? Yeah. Uh, The Suns GM and who else? (laughs) Who else is crazy enough to vote for the Suns? That's true. If you did the math, maybe that 7% is only one GM. Yeah, one other GM. One other GM thinks the Suns have a better team than than the Sixers in a few years, which is crazy. Yeah, to so me. basically, this team nobody's betting on them, so they got to bet on themselves and develop this young core if they want to make any noise. They're not going to make any noise this year, but if they want to make any noise in the next coming years. But for me, um, they're the same, but I'll give them a trending up because they added some more veteran players here with Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson and DeAndre Ayton is an upgrade from what from Tyson Chandler, who they had playing most of the time at that center position, I think. So I'll give them 28 wins. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at this lineup up and down, and it does look improved from last year, so I'll definitely agree with you on that. A team that I don't think is trending up, and honestly, no one would really care what way they're trending, is the Sacramento Kings. Ranked dead last in ESPN's League Pass rankings for teams you want to (laughs) watch when you have NBA League Pass. And I'm very inclined to agree. The Kings just... Oh, man. This is sad that we're ending our whole division preview series with the Sacramento Kings. But it's kind of funny. So, yeah, we'll we'll just go over the additions and whatever while while we're at it. They added Nemanja Bajelica, who who Vlade Divac was able to convince to not play in Europe (laughs) to to come play for the Kings for whatever reason. That's that's your GM Vlade Divac making those big power plays. That was pretty funny. (laughs) Uh, They brought in other powerhouses like Yogi Ferrell, Ben McElmore. Deonta Davis, who wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the tankathon yeah. <laughs> that the Grizzlies put on at the end of the year. <laughs> so good for Deonta, man, able to land another NBA contract because of that. So the only big story That's this true. team has is they drafted Marvin Bagley at number two, who is probably, while also yeah. 17% of GMs picked him for Rookie of the Year, is also most likely to be looked on as the guy that could have been Luka Doncic in a few years from now. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it, it's hard to no. make fun of the Kings for that. That's true. Already. Oh, man. I mean, this guy averaged 21 points, 11 rebounds as a freshman at Duke. So, you know, the guy is good and he's a very safe pick at number two. But when you could have drafted Luca, you could be kicking yourself in a few years. Who really knows? But that he's he's their hope for the future. I mean, yeah. <laughs> which is stupid because they also have like four other big men who they've drafted in the last few years that are all going to be vying for those power forward center positions, and they're just going to be playing really blocky lineups that involve Harry Giles, Skal Avasir, Will Cauley Stein, all just big men that are just all on the same team for some reason. And all of them really do the same kind of stuff, and a few of them can shoot the three, but not that well. So, yeah, I don't know. We're not looking at very much to be hopeful for here. Uh, what, what are your impressions of these additions? Anything? Yeah. Anything stand? I don't even know why I'm asking you. I just, I, I got to ask. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing really. No, it's hard to, I mean, Ben McLemore. Mac- Makes his return to the Kings. The prodigal after son returns. <laughs> betting on himself, leaving the Kings, and things just not really working out for him. Memphis bet on him and didn't. Yeah, rarely played. I mean, Marvin Bagley. I think you said it best. He's he was the safer pick. I and I think they went with safe in this case. Like I think they they just want something to work. Um, so they went with the safer one and Luka Doncic. I mean, he's looked pretty. He looked pretty decent in preseason, but whether or not that label sticks with Marvin Bagley here, uh, we'll, we'll know in in the next couple of years. Yeah, Vlad is just praying that this guy isn't a bust. I mean, we we I saw. Hmm? I don't think Marvin Bagley will be a bust. That's so hard to say. Sh- I, I yeah. don't really know. I don't even know if he's going to start on this team or not. They have so many freaking centers. I mean, I didn't even include Zach Randolph in that discussion of power forwards and centers. I only included the young ones. Zach Randolph is still there at like 30,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't know where he's going to fit in immediately. I'm looking at the projected starting lineup of De'Aaron Fox, I think. 
Hopefully, he's the starting point guard for them. If he's not, that's a big problem. <laughs> um, you got Bogdan Bogdanovich, who had a pretty good season for them last year. Justin Jackson, going to be inserted into that starting small forward position, most likely. Along with, I think it's to start the season, it's just going to be what they had last year between Zach Randolph and Will Cauley-Stein. And maybe they do throw Harry Giles and Bagley in there at some point to replace these guys. But at the start of the season, I don't think these guys are going to be ready. Um, that I mean, Giles never saw a minute of NBA action last year being kept out for the entire season with his injuries. Um, they're pretty high on him too. But you're talking about potential and guys that are big men. And that is not what you really want in today's NBA. They're going the exact opposite direction of the rest of the NBA, which is going towards positionless basketball with a lot of wing positions that can guard multiple positions. It just seems like this team can guard the point guard and the the power forward and center positions. Right. Um, and I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovic and De'Aaron Fox, I don't really know how that dynamic really works. They're both pretty ball-handling, point guard mentality type guys. Neither There's really no scorer on this lineup when you're looking at looking at it. Yeah, I mean, Buddy um, Buddy Heald. I'll I'll say the name. I don't like him. I don't think he's very good, but I'll I'll humor you with some Buddy Heald. That's their score. Yeah, I mean, I think they'd probably be better off having him start alongside Darren Fox or, or Bogdan Bogdanovic. Uh, I mean, it looks like your number one option might be Zach Randolph in the post here. Ew. <laughs> oh. oh, man. That, uh, that could this, have been something that's okay like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Zach Randolph is 36 now, I think. Um, 35 in that range. So Yeah. That's this, that's your option that you're looking at. That is scary. And that is why I mean, you don't tune to their game when they're playing on League Pass. Yeah, I, I don't know about Kali Stein. I mean, he looks like he's he has these flashes of being a good player. Um, but I just don't think Sac- Sacramento, the, the Kings are the team for him. I think I could see him um, being packaged up in a trade because he's also due for an extension. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just think about extending see- guys like this. It's just like sentencing yourself to more mediocrity. Right. I think he could still have a solid role on another squad. Um, I, it, it sucks because I'm looking at all these guys and I'm like, <laughs> I feel like they could be better in another situation um, except this one. <laughs> yeah, if they're a college team. <laughs> so I like I, I like. I like Bogdan and I I like or Bogdan and I like De'Aaron yeah, Fox. Yeah, they're fine, uh, but they're not competing with other starting lineups. They're not, not even close. It's just some of the pieces is not very good. Right. I think one individual, like I think De'Aaron Fox. Well, yeah, De'Aaron Fox. I don't know. He would be in a better. I think he'd be better in a better situation. Uh, yeah, this team yeah. is trading down. This is going to be the worst team in the NBA, possibly. It is. I I first had them at even because they didn't do anything, but I think that's why they should be trending down. So I'll give them. I'll give them twenty wins this year, man. Like this is just looking like the worst team in the NBA. Even worse than the Hawks. Even worse than, uh, the Nets. Definitely worse yeah. than the Nets. Probably worse than the Hawks. But yeah, so storyline to follow. Is there really any? I guess you're you're watching these rookies in these second years. Can they can they buck the trend of being busted draft picks? Yeah, I mean, I could see. I mean, Bogdan shared some flashes last year. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, it seemed like more was expected out of him his rookie year, and he kind of didn't really get to that level of expectations. So 
I think if there's two guys that could surprise us, it's those two. Though it does seem like their dynamic might be a little bit weird in the starting lineup together. Right. Yeah. We'll be but following I think they offer it, the best sort shot. of, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- 27 wins. I don't almost seems generous it does yeah that's why i had to i had to rethink it as i was going through all this talking about i'm like yeah this is a 20 win team for sure yeah they're going 20 wins i mean so the suns won 21 last year i think the suns are slightly better yeah they're going 20 wins Mm -hmm. i agree with you yep (laughs) but to close the 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 podcast here we're less than uh, three weeks away from the start of the regular season, Jimmy Butler is still on the Timberwolves. Just a reminder there, and we'll follow and see if he's still on there next week uh, when we do our fantasy draft. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out there are getting started with that. An exciting time. Uh, so we'll do a special podcast episode where we basically broadcast our NBA draft. Yeah, I'm stoked. It's, honestly, I don't. I don't even know if that's like what the what the fan what our fans love to see, but it's one of my favorite. It was one of my favorite ones we did last year. It, it was fun. It was long, but it, it was a really fun time to to broadcast that whole thing. Yeah. So just quick, quickly, Sean, do you have anybody you're you're highlighting and you really want to go after outside of the first? And the oh, second? Dude, oh, I guess outside gonna, of the first round. You make me reveal my secrets to you right now. That's true. Huh? Yeah. No, I'll I'll tell you when I draft him next week. Okay. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. Catch us next week, and we're on Spotify. Woo! Dude, that's so sweet. Have a good week.